when we write something off the cuff, especially Instagram captions, we I think sometimes people think like, oh, when I see this image, it makes me think of the following thing that I'm going to put in this off the cuff caption. And then you read it and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about because we're not in your brain. You have to you have to draw the full picture for people. You have to connect all of it together, but you still have to do it in your authentic voice in a way that doesn't seem so businessy because I'm sure you follow those more business minded accounts that are like very stilted language and everything sounds like business and you're like well that's no fun right so it's on social media what what the people want to see is the person behind the brand so it is a very it's a really specific new skill set that we all have to have because it's part of our businesses now welcome to season two of the wedding video boss podcast i know you've missed me and it took a little longer for me to come back I missed you so much too, but we're here, baby. Season two is going to be bigger, better, and uh, bigger. <laughs> I ran out of words to describe how epic this season is going to be. So get ready for more laser-focused episodes that will help you in your journey as a business owner. In the end, you will definitely be a little wiser Hopefully a lot more in command. And I'm looking forward to the day when we bump into each other on the street. You look into my eyes, give me a firm handshake, and utter the words of the great Paul Rudd. Hey. Hey. Look at us. Look at us. You know, the main aspect of being a success in your business is actually selling your service. Who would have thought? When it comes to videos, whether you're doing weddings, company profiles, corporate work, or ads, the fastest way to sell is to draw emotion from the viewer. It doesn't matter how good your shot or how epic the setting is, it'll be no match from the power of audio. The clear audio and music are the keys to telling and selling a story. For us, and a lot of people in my industry, the best source for high quality music is none other than Musicbed. Musicbed has a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Video Boss listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code no space Wedding Video Boss when you check out. Now you could call yourself a savant, a master storyteller, or whatever the heck you need to say to make yourself different. Remember, use the promo code Wedding Video Boss or click on the link in the notes. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss podcast where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative. If it's your first time here, this is a podcast for people like you, the people who want to figure out how to turn their passion into profit, their hobby into a business. Every week, I invite over business gurus, wedding specialists, and successful business owners to share their knowledge about particular keys to create and maintain a thriving wedding business. The best part is you get a front row seat and it's absolutely free. I am your really, really handsome host, Paul Santiago, and I'm so honored that you have joined me today. I love learning, especially how to run my business, and I feel like the key to us being in business for this long is because of the network we've created, our kick-ass crew, and the amount of knowledge I've gained from experts from different fields. 
There's always something to learn from someone, and that's the value I want to bring to you and to your business. Today's guest is Renee Dallo, and she is an expert on growing your wedding business. And on this episode, have you ever struggled with what to say on your blog, website, or social media? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with on this week's episode, where you'll learn how to use the power of language in your business. Have a pen and paper ready because this is going to be a badass interview, so don't go anywhere. If you're driving, just like what I say, just try to wait and um, just go back to the show notes for anything important. Renee and I will be back in a sec. Wedding planning wasn't always in the cards for Renee. Instead, what started out as a seemingly one-time favor for a friend evolved into a thriving side hustle to her acting career. When it was her turn to walk down the aisle, she flipped the script and discovered that the wedding industry was truly where she belonged. Shortly after her I do, she started Moxie Bright Events, a boutique wedding planning company, and never looked back. It wasn't long before fellow industry pros were looking to her for advice. With over 12 years of experience under her belt, Renee turned her knowledge towards the advancement of the industry as a whole and launched her top-notch education resource for event pros. Renee is a fan favorite on the speaker circuit, taking the stage at conferences around the country, including Wedding MBA, Creative at Heart, Let's Plan Conference, and Tide Talk LA. She's recognized across the industry, having earned a coveted spot on HoneyBook's 20 on the rise list. And she contributes frequently to industry publications. She currently serves as the vice president of WIPA Southern California and has also held leadership roles in the Association of Bridal Consultants and Rising Tide Society. Friends, please help me in welcoming Renee Dallo. All right, testing. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you Good. for being in the show. I really appreciate it, Renee. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be great. We've we've been see how long have we known each other? Like we've known each other for so long. Yeah, but it's just Especially. like from 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 a distance all the time like, because we're at the same networking events all the time. Yeah. We just never yeah. get to like chat. So this is like yeah, perfect. Yeah, we never have me. a sit down. I've always wanted to talk to you because you're always the most colorful person in the room and oh, it always so catches catches my attention. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. And thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that they would probably be surprised to know. Hmm. So I have been to every state in the contiguous U.S., at least once, if not twice, because when I was uh, younger, I was a musical theater actor. And so I toured the country in a bunch of shows. So I've literally been everywhere except for Hawaii now. Uh, but I can't really tell you where anything is because all I've ever seen is like the inside of the tour van and like the inside of the theater. <laughs> so so but, I'm like super well-traveled, minimally. Nice. But you've um, tried to hit the touristy spots of every... Yeah, you know, like, and, uh, we're, when we were in, like, 
Memphis, we didn't have time to go to Graceland. Like I've driven by the sign that says Grand Canyon like four times. Like this is just life on the road. You just don't, you're always off to do another show and you're off, always off to do something else. So when, I always joke with my husband that eventually like I'm going to make him get an RV and like show me all the things I missed in my 20s. <laughs> Even though I was right there, it's just like we couldn't go, you know? Yeah, we've we've always tried to we've always thought about renting an RV, but me and Stella, my wife, we're not really outdoorsy people. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm not an RV person. Like I'm a Four Seasons person. I'm a room service like down comforter person for sure. Like Stella and I are the same, I think, in that, and and you as well. But um, something about like I just feel like getting an RV and like seeing the country is like the way you do that particular thing, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's easier, and it's it's the most it's probably the most American thing you could ever do, yeah, going around I the agree. country, right? Yeah, and it it always confuses me because I would I feel like I always felt like the the most American thing you could do is just fly on hop on a plane and just fly and travel, but no, it's just like getting getting into the nitty gritty and yeah, do it like uh, Walter White. Oh yeah! <laughs> I don't think we're gonna make any mess. Okay, no, hopefully not. I, that's, that's next level. I'm not gonna do that particular thing. <laughs> okay. So, oh, um, now I wanna. I'm always curious about how people start out, and I'm always. I I, I really want to know what your origin story is, like how you started and what got you into this industry, and also what you're up to right now. Sure. So, how did I go from being a musical theater actress to a wedding planner? Uh, so when you're an actor, especially in New York City, a lot of times you're working hospitality as a side job. And that was ex very true for me. Um, I worked in a lot of fine dining restaurants in New York City. And then when I moved to L.A., um, decided didn't really want to do musicals anymore, kind of didn't want to live out of a suitcase anymore. Like that life really it was great while, while it was. But then, you know, I was I was approaching 30 years old and I thought I kind of want to like lay down some roots somewhere. And I thought L.A. would be as good a place as any. So I got a job in hospitality. I opened a restaurant, which is one of the restaurants at the Grove, which is a big outdoor mall here. It was like a, it was a big deal to open this place. Like they built it from, from scratch. And I was part of that opening crew. And um, in the time that I worked there, I went from like hostess to waiter to bartender to banquet server, banquet captain, banquet manager. And so what ended up happening is that I was running the banquet rooms at this restaurant. There were like six rooms and I was one of the people that ran them. And I ended up doing a lot of weddings that way because it wasn't a, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a luxury venue by any stretch, but people would have weddings there and they would always give them to me because they're like, oh, Renee can do the weddings. She's good at that. She's good at the weddings. At the same time, that was in my season of life where all of my friends were getting married. So I planned a lot of weddings as a hobby right around that same time because they were like, well, you're doing it at work and you seem good at this. Like, can you help me? So what ended up being like, I planned my best friend's wedding 12 years ago with like $7,000, like no money whatsoever, <laughs> like nothing. Um, what ended up happening is that people who were at that wedding or people who knew my friend would say like, oh, um, I would get random emails from people that were like, oh, can you help me plan my wedding? You know, I, I was at this wedding or I heard you do this. And so I basically got, you know, I created a business before I even realized what I was doing because I was getting emails and referrals from people that I didn't know. Um, I remember one time I got an email from this girl that said, Jeanette sent me to you. And I was like, who the hell is Jeanette? Like, I, I don't know this person. So I realized that I lo I liked it and I was good at it. People were coming to me for it. Um, and so I probably should do it. And then 
it was a few years after that that I really started my business now, which is Moxie Bright Events. So it took me took me a few years to like get really clear that like it's a business that you could run and make a living. And um, but I've been doing it for so long at that point that it seemed almost like it seems silly that I wasn't doing it professionally, you know. So that's what I did. I, after I got married, my own wedding planner, because I got married in Philadelphia, said to me, I don't understand why you're not a wedding planner in Los Angeles. And I was like, well, there's so many. And she was like, so who cares? And it was that weird, you know, sometimes you just need that one person to say the one right thing to you. And it's so simple, but having Aaron say to me, like, who cares? Just go do it. It doesn't matter if other people are doing it too. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds silly, but it kind of just happened. Yeah, all you all you need is that one person to push you and you know fortunately for us it's someone close to us so it's easier to be like oh okay i'll i'll give it a shot because they know you already yeah yeah she said you needed me less than any client i've ever had <laughs> i don't know why you don't do this professionally and i was like oh i don't know you know but again like this and brings me back to what we're talking about today is that i had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself and about this work and i had to get rid of i had to work through those in order to be able to do this at the level that i'm doing it now yeah it's it's funny because when you said <laughs> when you said your friend got married for $7000 which is pretty much nothing nothing stella and i got married our budget was $6000 <laughs> i love that and well how long ago was it though it was like I have to I have to answer this correctly. It was 10 years ago. This yeah, is, see, my friend was yeah. 12 years ago. So back then yeah. you could make something of that a little bit, a little yeah. bit more than you can today. Well, it, it was like bare bones. Like we got married at oh. a church and our, our reception mm -hmm. was at an Indian restaurant, like an Indian buffet, which is like $10 per person or something like that. Oh, yeah. This wedding that I did for $7,000 was in a photography studio. The power went out because I didn't know enough to check the power. So when we plugged in all the lights and the DJ plugged in, all the power went out. Um, and the DJ came up to me during the ceremony and whispered in my ear, do you want to have lights or do you want to have music? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we have a power outage. And I was like, I just started crying because I was like, I don't know. I mean, now it wouldn't fade. Now I would check the power, but it was like, so bare bones, minimal, minimal, everything. You know, we had like a craft services caterer do the, do dinner. It's like crafty. It's so funny. <laughs> it, those things, those things are, make you really, really, you know, stronger when it comes to like, accepting challenges like as soon as you start out how do you feel about that when you when you start out your business should you take more risks when you start out or should you take more risks when you're like a little bit more confident i think we should always be taking risks i think if you own a business i believe that inherently you are a risk taker Like, I just think entrepreneurs have to have that little bit of, we have a little bit of crazy up in our brains where we think like, I'm going to try this. And, and I think that if you are someone who really loves safety, maybe owning a business is not for you because there's not a lot of, not a lot of safety happening all the time. Listen, I think at the beginning, you've got to throw yourself into the fire. I mean, honestly, at this point, I tell my clients or potential clients, like, there's nothing that rattles me. Your, your venue, God forbid, could burn down around us and I'm still not going to yell. Like, nothing gets to me. I've seen it. So, but I've seen it. You know, the only reason I can say that is because I had a wedding where the power went out, my very first wedding. So, like, once you've lived through it and no one, you know, nothing bad happens, you figure it out. Um, you know, nothing can nothing can rattle you. But at the beginning, I, I think just in, just starting is a risk, right? So calculated risks, of course, smart risks, hopefully, but you've got to take risks. There's no way around it, I think. Yeah. And that's 
because w- w- once you take risks, your your uh, I guess your your senses are sharper. Like you're more aware of what's happening around you, so you get to like for us when we when we started out, we had our first fist fight in a wedding on our third wedding, and it was the <laughs> groom. It was the groom and his groomsmen in the bathroom. <laughs> So, oh, of course it was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, after 10 years of doing this, after nine years of doing this, I'd be like, I, I know exactly what to do and how to handle a fist fight or, yeah. you know, like prevent someone from, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, courage is a muscle. Everyone thinks you have to be like, courage is like some value that you like, oh, this person is courageous. They're brave. It's like, that's just a muscle. If you never exercise it, it's going to atrophy just like anything else. So, you know, jumping into that fist fight or knowing enough to not jump into that fist fight is uh that's the things you learn on the job there's no there's no other way to learn this job yeah i think and i feel like you know for for people who are starting out well at least for me when i was starting out i didn't really have anyone to ask or have anyone to mentor me about these things like what to expect you know yeah so I feel like um, when you're starting out, also make sure that you approach the people who are who have been longer in the industry, just so they could give you like tips. Because people, I feel like people want to see p- other people succeed. At least the good, the good business owners, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think too, the climate is so different now. Like when I was starting, I had yes, I had, I had, I did have support. I did have a mentor. I had some really good friends, but you know, there wasn't all the podcasts and the blogs and the education, the online education. I mean, there's so many other ways to get knowledge um, nowadays. And I also like, I love, yeah, find a mentor and then really listen to them, you know, intern with someone and like follow them around, soak it up. Don't just take it for granted because sometimes the the best business people aren't necessarily the best educators, but they still have a lot to share, but you just have to be the person that's super aware of them and what they're doing and how they're presenting themselves in the world. You know, I love that. I love that because that's actually my main problem right now is I know a lot about business, but I guess I don't know how to like, I, I don't know how to say it or how to, like asks ask people online like if, if I'm in a Facebook group I ask them some about something and they react differently and then I reread it I'm like oh crap I I said it wrong or something like that yeah so yeah yeah uh, now my question is since we're already talking about this and you know you you always you, you you've been saying that when you tell your clients uh, nothing can phase me the building would be burning down so the the way you say stuff I feel like it's really important, right? Yeah. So, and our topic for today is the the power of language in your business. So, what? Why does the language really matter in our business? Well, I think it's two things. So, one, obviously, we're using language like all day long. Um, I used to call this the power of words in your business because I think words get, gets it down to the base level, right? Because we're communicating all day long. We're communicating. Well, when we talk to each other, but especially via email and especially on our websites, there are like there's words everywhere. Right. So we have to choose them carefully. And I what I what I know about modern life, because I know that I do it myself, is that I try to be super like casual and approachable and like friendly. But oftentimes what that means, especially for women listening, 
it means that we sometimes use a lot of unintentional subconscious, like limiting, limiting language, right? And what I mean by that is, if you're ever talking to someone, uh, it's about anything in life, and you say something that's kind of a bummer, or you say something not great, and they go, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And it's a weird phrase, right, that we use. We, we use I'm sorry a lot for things that we have no control over, nothing to do with, no jurisdiction over. We just say, oh, I'm sorry, as like a way to, to express empathy, right? But it's a weird phrase because you're taking responsibility for something that isn't yours. And it's just one of the many ways, like if you ever answer a client email, like how many times... Uh, you and just if you off the top of your head have you answered a client email with oh so sorry sorry for getting back to you so late we don't say sorry we say apology uh, we apologize for yeah but which yeah. is great which yeah. is great when i first started talking about this i went through my gmail my business account is like a gmail for business account you know you can search your mail and i searched the word sorry uh just to see what would come up and it was hundreds of emails hundreds of times i had said and and most of the time it was like, sorry for not getting back to you within an hour. Like I was apologizing for something that was ridiculous. Like, so sorry, it took me a minute to research this. Um, what? No, like that's my job. So the language we use matters because we are subconsciously giving our clients and other vendors and everyone we talk to, we're, we're letting them see who we are through the words we use. And if we're starting with, sorry, I'm so sorry, uh, it already puts you in a position subconsciously. They, their, their trust is eroding in you, right? They're thinking, oh, this person, oh, they're, oh, they didn't get back to me, and oh, they think they were late getting back to me. You know, it's these little things. It's all, it's super micro, but it's the reason I want to, uh, I always want to talk about it because I think so many of these little tiny things that we do, when you add them up, um, end up like really coloring how someone else looks at you, how they view you. And if we can make these tiny changes, then over time, it's going to be, it's going to have the most impact because it'll start just becoming the way you talk. Like, like you said, like, we don't use sorry, we say apologies. Like, that is a, that is a different thing. Those two words mean very different things when you're taking them in as the person who they're being said to. So it's, it's so funny because um, I use, I use, I'm sorry a lot when I email, right? And, uh, I know this person who's like a grammar Nazi, Stella, my wife. I'm a grammar Nazi too. <laughs> so she's like, never say you're sorry. Always say you apologize, apologies, because it's, I, I think my goal is, uh, since English is our second language, I want people to know that we know how to speak proper English. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to like the Californians, but California English, no, no, of there's like a California English. <laughs> there that, is. Yeah. Like wa water is, wa water is water here. So, it, it, you know, there's, <laughs> there's like a thing. And I, it took me three years to adapt to the California English because I wanted to make sure that, you know, at least in my head, it's a little, a little bit more flawless and eliminate my accent just so I can yeah. like blend in a little bit more. Yeah. But... You know, I, 
just heading towards the proper English, which is like British English. I don't know if sure. without the accent, just the, the correct pronunciation. Right, right, right. I'm from New York City. So my, okay. my actual <laughs> accent is ridiculous. You would laugh. <laughs> like the accent I was born with is crazy. And I I do the same thing. Like I work very hard on not sounding like I'm, I'm from any particular place. So I think that's the uh, me me too. My Filipino accent is wow. Once you hear it, you're like, oh wow. So that's that's the thing. Like I feel like heading towards the proper English would benefit your business as well. You as mm-hmm. a person, and mm-hmm. then you're because now that more than ever, like social media uh, has evolved into this thing where people spend. A little bit of their time with now it's just like everywhere people yeah. when they're not doing anything when one once they're on their phone you know they're on social media oh and for sure the way they talk reflects their personality now like you know have, have you ever gotten an email from a vendor or from a client where they're using like text talk where it's like c y a and you're like you. c y a see ya see ya okay got it um honestly like me renee when i get language like that i'm like i always think oh this person must not be very smart like that is just where i go to (laughs) and so consider if you're listening and you're someone who's who emails and text speak that maybe that's how you're being perceived right like we all have these you know predispositions to how we think of someone when when we hear them talk or when we read what they write. So I love that you said like you're really trying to go with the correct English because you want people to take you seriously. You want people people to know that you're smart and you're capable and and so therefore that translates to you in proper English. Um, for me, what I want to communicate with my emails and my and my language in general is that I'm capable and that I'm in charge, right? Because I'm a wedding planner. So for me, my emails can't be too soft because. Otherwise, um, I don't think I'm sending the right message. You know, like one of my one of my clients left me a review um, last week. Can I can I cuss? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) She said in the she said in the review, um, Renee is a badass. And I honestly like walked around all proud all day that I was like, I'm a badass because like as a wedding planner, I am the captain of the ship. Right. So my emails have to come from a place of authority. So if I'm sending emails that are like, I just wanted you to read this timeline. I don't know. I think that they think that maybe we should do it this way, but I don't know. What do you think? And just like, let me know when you get it. And then like, you know, just no big deal. Whenever you have a sec, like if I send emails in that tone, no one would ever respect me or take me seriously or listen to me. So my emails, my communication has to be pretty clear and direct and, and and dare I say almost masculine in that I don't use a lot of phrases like I think, at least I try not to. Um, I know I say that more when I'm speaking, you know, I say, oh, I think da da da, but I never, I hardly ever say actually I think because that also makes it sound like I'm surprised by my own thoughts. Like, <laughs> oh, I had a thought actually, get ready. I had a thought guys, like, no. Um, I try not to say the phrase, does that make sense? Okay. Because what I have found with does that make sense is, especially when it's a client email, right? So a client will email me 12 questions in a row, right? Which is pretty typical for me. And I'll answer every single question. And if at the end I say, does that make sense? And I read this in a book and it stuck with me. So does that make sense? It, it's saying two things. It's saying to, to the person you're communicating to, are you smart enough to understand what I've just said? Which is insulting, Right. Or am I so crazy nuts that I can't communicate properly what I'm trying to get across to you? 
So I have now really tried to get rid of, does that make sense? Instead, what I say is, look forward to your thoughts on this or simply thoughts, question mark. What are your thoughts on the things I just explained, right? Because I, we have to be really clear on what we want people to take away from the interactions that they're having with us, right? I, we, I know that I, in the past, had ten, tended to over-explain something, feel weird about it, and then say like, oh, I, that was too much of an explanation, I know, but hopefully, hopefully it made sense. Well, if you don't think you're making sense, rewrite the email, just rewrite the email. <laughs> like we don't need all all of the fancy, you know, rigmarole. Um, but I do think with social media, like you said, I think we're moving toward a place with our language, just as a culture, where we're super getting super casual. Super casual. And I don't know that I hate it. I don't. I definitely don't hate it. But I also, I also wonder, like. I don't know. I some on some people's Instagrams, like Jenna Kutcher, for example. Do you follow Jenna? Yes. Jenna writes these really beautiful captions to her Instagram uh, pictures, and they're they're frequently paragraphs, right? And they're like a little mini blog post, and she's always really expressive. Um, and I think that is her authentic voice. Like I don't think someone else is writing that for her. I think that's how she feels, what she wants to communicate that day. But I also can sense that some other accounts who follow and the reason I mentioned her is because she's a huge account. Um, some other accounts that, that I also follow who are smaller, who are looking to others maybe for guidance are using that same sort of authentic speak as like quote unquote air quotes, authentic speak. And I wonder if it is authentic to them because I think we all, we all have our own voice. You know, I know when I write something that sounds like me, it gets better responses from people. People can hear it in my voice. Um, I think if we're all moving toward this like casual social media, authentic speak, that it's all going to sound like the same voice, you know? So let me, let me, before we move forward, let me go back to, um, let me go back to when you said, uh, that does that make sense? Like that, that, that phrase, is there a deeper impact when you email it as opposed to like saying it to someone's face or is it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think the words that we write have a lot more weight than we give it credit for. Because 99% of the time, my communication with my clients is email. And that's the way I run my business. So I'm not dying to jump on the phone with people, which is funny because I'm a podcaster and you would think that I love talking and I do. But something about getting my workday interrupted with a phone call is really off-putting to me. Like, I just want to get my work done. So more, more often than not, I'm emailing. Um, I feel like if you say it in person... If you say, does that make sense in person that you're possibly reacting off a visual cue, right? If someone's looking at you, like I'm looking at you now, obviously it doesn't make sense. They're telling you with their face, I am confused. So it's easy to say, does that make sense? What, what part didn't you, what part should I go, go back over? But if you're emailing, does that make sense? You have no visual cue. You're, what you're hoping is they've read the email and you haven't confused them, but you don't need to say it in that way. Does that make sense? Is like a really triggering it's for, for me like when I read that a while ago I was like oh my god I do that um, the other one is the word just just I'm just a wedding planner how many times have you heard someone say that when you say what do you do oh I'm just a DJ I'm just a yeah yeah it's, it's so it's, damaging it, it is it is it it's very like you you're not really proud of what you're doing <laughs> Some yeah. people, when they say that, they actually mean it. So 
does that that's that's okay right whenever he says i'm just a doctor <laughs> no can you imagine i'm just a doctor have you ever i believe this is a, a systematic problem with the wedding industry because i i know for a fact within the world of events weddings are sort of looked down upon as like not as serious not as lucrative not as whatever which i think is a bunch of bs but i know that in the wedding industry, because I talked to so many other vendors, I think we all suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I, I think that's where that comes out, right? When you're talking to someone and they say, oh, I'm just a blah, blah, blah. It's I'm always the idiot in the group who's like, you are not just anything. You are amazing. Like I'm the, no, <laughs> I'm the one calling it out, right? To be like, how dare you say that about yourself? But I think when we're, we feel self-conscious, when we feel not enough, when we have the imposter syndrome, it comes out in these little ways. So, so here's my struggle. Um, going back to does that make sense? Because when the first time I heard that, I'm like, is this person mocking me? Do, do they think that I'm exactly. a, an idiot? Exactly. And then I realized that everyone is using it because I'm trying to, you know, mold my California English. <laughs> and I've been using it for a, a, quite a while. And um, so... I was actually talking to one of my guys. We were at a shoot and I was trying to explain it to him, like what we're going to do. Instead of me saying, does that make sense? I asked him, okay, do you understand what I said? And is, is there a difference? Because with what do you understand what I said? I actually wanted to make sure that he understands because we're parting ways and he's going to reception. I'm going to the, is that, is there mm -hmm. some a difference? I would probably in the future say, do you have any questions for me? Mm. Because it's more okay. open-ended and it gives them more agency to, to participate. Ah. Right. Because does that make sense is yes or no. Do you understand what I said is yes or no. And then he never understood. So it... <laughs> he didn't see, do you have any questions? Okay. And and oftentimes when I'm, especially when I'm dealing with my assistants and stuff, if it is something that is different, unusual, not what we, you, you know, anything out of the normal, I will say, repeat it back to me. Okay. Repeat it back to me. Because I'd rather have them take ownership of it, even if it's wrong, right? Even if what they're repeating back to me isn't right, then I can go, nope, that part's not right. And sort of help and help them and educate them in that moment. Because um, I, I think we can be asking better questions. I know we can all be asking better questions of people. But I think does that make sense needs to be fully retired. Just get it right out of there. Yeah, there's a lot of like words, phrases that shouldn't be used uh, at, at coming from me, like observing. What else do you think? What else shouldn't be used? Man, right off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of something, but there, yeah. there's a bunch of words that irritate me when someone says it that I'm like, <laughs> you're not using it right. Because, you know, we, we came here 2008, so I was 28 years old when we came here. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so we we that's why I spent three years talking to people on Yelp, like the telemarketers. I just talked to them on the phone. Stella's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to practice oh, my English. So, I love that. So I, I, I was just trying to convince them that I'm from here. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. That so makes, That makes me so happy. I love that. <laughs> so... Now here's another struggle of mine. My authentic language, the way I talk to people, is different from my business language because mm -hmm. we've we came from Filipino to um, English to California English, 
And now California English, we kind of like need to dial it down a little bit more because we're trying to cater to, I guess, the higher end market who doesn't talk like that. So mm-hmm. my my question is, what's the difference between using um, authentic language as opposed to like speaking or writing off the cuff? But before you answer that, I really want to talk about something that the listeners should know about. The Facebook group that I have created to help wedding business owners figure out specific issues about running their business. From sales, to marketing, to advertising, social media. No art stuff here, just all business. I know, right? It's such a great idea. If you're committed to building a wedding business that will last, you need to join this group. We'll have tips, episode transcripts, workshop information, and many more. So I hope to see you there. Just click on the link in the show notes. Okay, so what's your answer to my question? I love this. So oftentimes on social media, I will see um, fellow wedding vendors who I know wrote a caption off the top of their head. And the reason I always know it is because it they frequently assume that the reader understands where they're coming from, understands the wavelength that they're already on. So sometimes the off the cuff ones sort of tend to start in the middle of, of, of a thought or like, or I'll read it and go, what are they talking about? Like, I remember this was a, a while ago, uh, someone posted a photo of, um, it was a candid photo of a fire pit, right? But the caption said, this, this place would be great for a rehearsal dinner, but it was a fire pit. And I stared at it for a few minutes and I was like, what? is happening it was geotagged with a location so in theory the person posting wanted to communicate that this location would be great for a rehearsal dinner because of this cozy fire pit but what we needed as the as the reader was the whole thought we needed we needed you to start us at a and end end at z we needed one of the things my clients always ask me for is a cozy, you know, a cozy spot for their rehearsal dinner that, where people can really gather around and talk. And this restaurant with this cozy fire pit has that for you, right? So that's the way to, con- you have to sort of connect all the dots for people. When we write something off the cuff, especially Instagram captions, we, I think sometimes people think like, oh, when I see this image, it makes me think of the following thing that I'm going to put in this off the cuff caption. And then you read it and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about because we're not in your brain. You have to, you have to draw the full picture for people. You have to connect all of it together, but you still have to do it in your authentic voice in a way that doesn't seem so businessy. Cause I'm sure you follow those more business minded accounts that are like very stilted language and everything sounds like business. And you're like, well, that's no fun. Right. So it's on social media. What what the people want to see is the person behind the brand. So like they want to hear from you and Stella. They don't want like the voice of Bafo video does good video, you know. So it is a very it's a really specific new skill set that we all have to have because it's part of our businesses now. I've I've tried so hard to stop saying I can't or stop yeah. <laughs> those That's things. A big one. It's it's so hard because you see it on social media and mm-hmm. I have to be honest, if I were to just speak my authentic language, I probably wouldn't even post anything because <laughs> because yeah. I'm too lazy. Yeah. But I have to. So whenever I'm on social media, the first five posts I scroll through, I absorb the way they speak and that's what I mm-hmm. just type. 
One of the things I think we can all be doing for our businesses is really drill down like how your business sounds, right? Like how your business, what your business cares about. So like for Moxie Bright, which is my wedding planning business, like we really care about hospitality. We really care about taking care of guests. We really care about like those, those moments at a wedding that you can't even predict that are going to happen that are going to be awesome. So a lot of times when I post something on my Instagram, I'm calling out those moments, right? I'm calling out that moment of amazing service, or I'm calling out this moment of friendship between the bride and her and her bridal tribe. Like I'm specifically angling because it's coming from my head, my viewpoint, what, what's important to me, right? So I'm always putting it through that that lens. I feel like if someone else were to look at the same images on my Instagram, they'd probably come up with a million different captions because of what's happening in their brain, what's important to them and what goes through their lens. When I'm doing posts for my education brand, for my online courses and stuff, that's a completely different language because I'm talking to different people. I'm talking to other wedding planners. I'm talking to them about making more money, about being better at their jobs. It's a completely different audience and it has to be a completely different language. Um, now for me that right now, those are on the same account, right? So you can literally look through my Instagram and think, oh, here she's talking to clients here. She's talking to other wedding pros. But like, for instance, I call my students rock stars. So if you're a student in one of my classes, I'm going to address you as, Hey, rock star, no matter what, I don't know how it started. It just feel, it felt right. And I went with it and now it's a thing. Um, and I think too, that, you know, you have to honor that too. Like what feels right? Like, I'm definitely not someone who's like hashtag blessed, right? Like, you're not going to see that on my account. It's just not my thing. Yeah. You're more likely to see an F-bomb on my account with a emoji. <laughs> yeah, th that's the thing. Like, I guess it's it's just so hard to come up with an original idea. I mean, an original text in mm -hmm. such a short span of time. Because I feel like people who post on social media, at least the ones who are really good at it, schedule everything. Oh, yeah. And I suck at it because <laughs> I, you know what I'm really good at scheduling? Podcasts. Everything else, I there suck you go. at. I mean, scheduling is much easier because then you're not having to come up with a caption on the fly. I mean, I use Planoly and I schedule at least two weeks out if I can. Although, you know, I took a social media break this year. I didn't post at all for the month of June. I just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, I'm not going to force myself. The world's not going to end if I don't put up in a square every day. Um, and I didn't do it. And then I got back to it when it was time. And then I was able to be like, okay, let's write some fresh captions. For me, I don't stress so much about the caption. It could be because, I, you know, my background is, I have a background as a writer as well. But like, I look at the picture and I go, what is this? Oh, okay. Sometimes it's so simple. Like, like I think my post today was a wedding bouquet from like two years ago. And I think I wrote never tired of this gorgeous bouquet from Shindig Sheik. Like that's it. Cause okay. it doesn't always have to like change the world. Sometimes it's just like appreciation for this beautiful thing. And that's okay too. Um, you don't have to write the mini blog post that Jenna Kutcher write, is writing. By the way, Jenna Kutcher is writing those for, from a sales language perspective. She's writing those so that, to convert. She's selling things constantly. Even if you don't think she's selling anything on that post, girl's still selling something because she's got a, an entire empire full of things to sell. So if, if what you're doing as a service provider is wanting to get people to contact you, right? Get wanting someone to like you enough to reach out, then all you really have to worry about is talking to the right people, you know, being your true self and hopefully the right people will be attracted to you because you're not trying to sell a course or preset filters. She's got a ton of products. Oh yeah. And she's really good at posting something and asking, like, how are, how's your day going? And I'm like, 
oh my God, she's talking to me. And at the end, you're like, I think I need her podcast score. <laughs> and you don't know what happened. You yeah. don't know how it happened. She's very persuasive. She's that really is good a, at that. Yeah, that's like a whole other language. Like, we don't need that. If that's not if that's not your goal, like, that's not what you need. You just need to be putting things out there that are authentically you. Like, I post a lot of photos of food on my Moxie Bright account because I love food. My clients love food. And I've had people say to me, like, you post a lot of food. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. Thanks for noticing. Like, what am I not supposed to post the things I like? I'm going to post what I like. Yeah. It, it speaks to your, it speaks to your followers. It speaks to yeah, your, but your I also like it. Yeah. If my followers decided suddenly they liked, I don't know what's something I don't like country music. I don't really love country music, but if they were so, super into it, I still wouldn't be posting it <laughs> because I'm just like, not my thing. Right. Yeah. I, I can't talk about something I don't know anything about or, you know, I feel bad now that I said I don't like country music. I like some country music, you guys. <laughs> to be honest, when we, when they started editing wedding videos here and some of the clients, they they gave us like, oh, we want Brad Paisley. Or before the, the whole uh, copyright thing, mm. um, I fell in love with country music. Did you? Yes. I but, love that. I you know, I'm not like deep into it. Like I'm kind of like you. You know, I appreciate country music. <laughs> I like all the girl singers. So if there's a girl singer like Martina McBride, like I'm into her, love her. Faith Faith Hill, love her. Like any girl who can sing, I'm in. But um, but no, the guys I don't know anything about. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm the reverse. Well, I, you know what? I I I know like Shania Twain because oh, I'm Filipino, yeah. so <laughs> we sing a lot. <laughs> so now. My my question for you now is, since we were talking about like I can't or slay girl or whatever, it just like because for me like on Instagram yeah. it's me who's talking. Stella right. is she sucks at social media. She doesn't want to do that because she hates being on social media. So I yeah. do all of the the captions and stuff. So when there's mm -hmm. like, oh wow or something like that that's weird, it's never gonna be her. It's just always me. So, I love it. My question is, how can we stop using limiting language <laughs> in our business and life? Like, how, how do I get to Well, stop I think that? first, you have to have the awareness that you're even doing it. So a lot of times after I talk about this topic, like I've presented this at conferences and stuff, I'll get emails like months later from someone who's like, I was at your talk and I went through my email and oh my God, I've been saying sorry and just and I've been doing it all. And I'm like, yeah, girl, you got to figure it out. Like you have to first understand that it's happening, right? There are some, especially when you're writing, there are some tools. So if you use Google Chrome, which you should all be using because I love it, uh, there is a plugin. The name of the plugin is called Just Not Sorry, which is great. And it literally will underline for you in your emails if you're using any of the, any word that is a limiting language word. But the other thing that's fun, too, is that, like, sometimes you actually are apologizing for something. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, so sorry. I, you know, this email got missed or whatever. It'll still underline it. Like, it doesn't necessarily understand the context. But it it will tell you, like, hey, do you, are you sure you want to use the word just here? Um, just is a big one. It's just is the one that people go, I don't use that. And then weeks later, they say, oh, my God. Yes, I do. It's everywhere. I'm like, of course, it's everywhere. Because it's our culture, right? It's it's in our vernacular to use these words that make it sound, make us sound soft and approachable and agreeable and easygoing. Like everyone wants to be, especially in California, like super chill all the time. 
and I get it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has a place in your business because you have to, you have to understand, you have to determine and figure out for yourself how you want to be perceived, right? Because a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to especially groups of women and I hate to keep saying that, but as a woman, it's a big deal for me. Uh, and they'll say, well, I, I don't really have a, I don't really have control over how I'm perceived. Uh, absolutely false. You 100% have control over how you're perceived. You can script, you can script that for yourself. You can make that happen for yourself, but first you have to have the awareness of it. So one awareness two tools like Google Chrome plugin three, start noticing it in other people too. And it might make you, you know, less liked for a minute to be like, uh, 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 you just said, uh, but, uh, uh, talk, call out your friend, be like, mm, I thought we weren't doing that anymore because it's pervasive. It's everywhere. And so it isn't just a quick fix. It is an ongoing, ongoing thing. The other thing that I did for my assistant and for anyone who's in my inbox is I have a little small document of like, these are words we don't use. This is language Moxie Bright does not use. Right. And even in my interactions with my clients on their wedding day, like in my employee handbook, there is a list of things we don't say. So if someone were to come up to one of my assistants, a guest on the day of the wedding and ask them a question, and if they don't know the answer, they're not allowed to say, I don't know. What, they, what they're supposed to say is, let me find out. And that's the biggest example I can always give. It's like taking that negative, I don't know, and turning it into something open and curious and positive, which was, let me find out. I'll go find out for you. Right. So that person is then taking ownership of whatever the situation is. They are coming to someone else who might know more, finding out the answer. Saying I don't know is closing a door. That's like what you said. We don't want to say I can't. Right. I, I can't. Well, you can't. Maybe you can't right now because you don't you don't have the right information. Right. So what do you say instead of I can't? What are you, are you retraining yourself to think of think a new thing? Well, the I can't that I'm talking about is the RuPaul drag race. I can't. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But if if we're talking about the I can't that you're talking about, yeah. I, I usually say I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'll see what I'll, I can do. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> but it's yeah, perfect. I can't. Yeah, I need to watch Paul's. I haven't I haven't watched <laughs> Paul's Drag Race yet, but it's come up a lot lately. And so I feel like the universe is telling me to watch it. Oh, they have a really, really extensive vocabulary of all the really fun phrases that someone use referenced now. a death drop to me the other day. And I was like, I don't know what a death drop is. And then I Googled it and was like, Oh, that looks painful. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've seen, really um, I've seen co comments that say, um, typing from heaven because I'm dead right now or something like that, because <laughs> the thing is just so beautiful. So <laughs> now I really want to ask you about this oh, because funny. that kind of language attracts a certain kind of uh, tribe, like a certain kind of group, right? Totally. If I want to charge more and target the more luxurious market, should I continue saying that if I were someone who does that? And I think if it's authentic, you should. Okay. I think in our industry, we have a really effed up thing about luxury, I believe. Every luxury client I've ever had has not come to me from social media. They have come from 100% personal referral from someone who's a friend of theirs. There's like a little tight knit Beverly Hills group that I work with all the time. Like some clients I've done 
all of their events. And then they refer me to their best friends. And that's how it works. Those people never read my reviews. They don't care. They want a personal referral and they want you to show up and be professional. I think this marketing to the luxury market doesn't really work. I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but like, I think be your authentic self. If, if you listen, if you are, if you, let's just say I start watching RuPaul's Drag Race and I feel compelled to post about it. I'm probably going to use that language because it's fun, right? It doesn't mean that that's who I am as a human every day of the year. And I have to say slay on all my posts, right? But it's, I think it's fun to like, let people in to see who you are a little more. Um, Like I'm a huge fan of the Canadian sitcom Schitt's Creek, which if everyone has have to watch it immediately if you have not watched it so lately all of my insta stories have had um have had gifts of the character david rose making faces and like i've never explained it i've never said like i'm a huge fan and so this speaks to me now i'm just doing it and i've had people like message me on instagram like oh my god you watch that show too i'm like yeah of course i do but it's a way to let people in authentically without having to have a big deal about it you know i'm sure the moment will pass in a few months i'll be moved on to some other show it's fine, but it's like you have to be able to play, you know, and if you want to use Slay one day, then use Slay. But as far as the luxury market, I, I don't think they're looking for anything specific. I think they're looking for people who are really good at their job, who their friends have already worked with. Okay. I was and thinking I don't know about how to that. tell you to break in. Like, everyone's like, how did you get that first Beverly Hills client? I'm like, through her yoga teacher. Through her private, fancy yoga teacher. So you just don't know. So let let me know what you think too, because I feel like as long as you're authentic, social media caters to, especially if you want to target like higher paying clients, right? Mm-hmm. Social media caters to like the people around you. And if yeah. the the vendors who know these luxury market clients like your mm-hmm. personality, then yep. it's an easier sell, right? Absolutely. Instead Listen, of like think- targeting the luxury people. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. If you, it's like dating, right? If you want to impress someone, you put your best foot forward. So like, this is a different example, but I'll, I'll use it anyway. My friend who was the private yoga teacher, she's, she works with very high end clients. Uh, Russell Crowe used to be a client of hers. She used to go to his home and teach him yoga. And one day he was looking for a masseuse. And she texted me and said, who do we know who'd be good for Russell to get a massage, right? Because it's the right, it has to be the right person. At that level, when you're talking about that person, that level of celebrity, that level of luxury, it can't just be like the person we saw on Instagram who we think might be cool. It has to be the right person. And we went through a list of people that we knew and she was like, no, that girl drives a, no, that girl's bad. She'll talk too much. Or like, oh no, that guy has a weird energy. Right. There's nothing you can do at that point. You just have to be who you are and you'll be right for someone. And it's the same with your language. You just have to talk the way you talk um, authentically, you know, in full, complete thoughts, ideally uh, on social and, and the right people will be attracted to you. And you know what? The other cool thing is you'll repel the wrong people. I think we spend a lot of time worrying about who we're attracting, but sometimes I'm like, who am I? unattracting like who am I sending away good for that too right because like just just in using not only limiting language but inclusive language right like if if you're never posting uh 
if you're only posting the same kind of couple all the time, right? Perhaps you're sending a message that you're not used, you're not open to working with everyone. Same thing with your language. If you're only ever talking about brides and grooms, brides and grooms, brides and grooms, you're leaving out a whole other section of people who are getting married. So it's pretty much just curating for when it comes to business, you just make sure you curate, be yourself, but you curate your. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, curate in as, in as much as you feel comfortable curating, yeah. you know, like I'm certainly not someone who wants, you know, you see those Instagram accounts that like everything's pink and white and you're like, that's not, how are you doing that? That's so much effort. Um, <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I'm not about that life. I don't have that kind of time, but um, I, definitely curating your words is so important to me because I, I just, I know that none of us are spending enough time thinking about it. We're all just going off the cuff and saying what we think and saying what we feel and writing what we feel. And just in the end, just we're, we're ending up too much in our feelings and too much in our apologies and too much in our self-doubt and not enough standing in our power with our words and really intentionally communicating clearly and effectively and efficiently and with authority what we mean. Okay. I like that because I feel like social media has changed the way, you know, before when, when we started out, the about us page is the only page that tells about you. Now social media yeah. in the about us page, you're like, I like riding horses and eating hamburgers. Now everything is out there and it's true. people are addicted that they can't stop just <laughs> shooting out information about themselves that you know i feel like that's when it comes to curating when we talk about curating at least for me i feel like curating is like cleaning up like you invite someone to go to your house and the first thing they once they open the door and see your living room you're like shit there's so much stuff on the floor and i need to clean up so it's curating is kind of like that like just make sure that when people google you they see like a really nice looking doesn't have yeah. to be perfect but just like yeah. clean yeah i love what you said too about like the curating i feel like when we say the word curating people are automatically like oh i don't want to but i i what i hear and what you're saying and you know obviously correct me if, if this is incorrect is that i feel like there is a fine line between sharing who you authentically are and who you want to work with and the kind of work you want to put out there and then there's people who like really overshare Right. And they're yeah. like telling you or like the people who go on Insta story and Insta story their entire day every day. Like they're living in some weird reality show that they have made for themselves. where like, this is their breakfast. And then they're walking the dog and then they're answering emails and oh then they're getting God. haircut. And it's like, whoa, hold on. What I like to think of for the, for these things, because I'm certainly not someone who wants to Insta story my entire life. Like I was an actor. I got that amount of attention back in the day. I'm good. Um, so I always think if I want to share something that seems kind of tricky or seems kind of maybe challenging or I don't know. Uh, I just always think, is this thing that I'm sharing, is it something that is a wound, like an open wound or is it a scar? Have I learned something from it? Right. If, if it's like a client canceled their wedding and we're in the thick of canceling it and emotions are high, I'm certainly not going to go on Insta story and be like, here's how to cancel your wedding. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. There is a time and a place. Right. You have to talk about that once the moment has passed, when, when it is a scar. The people who overshare, the people who do that thing where you're like, that is aggressively TMI. Like, I don't need to know all that. I think they're operating from a different place where they're not 
And that's what I think we mean by curating, like come at it from a place of like, what is it that I want to share and, and teach and educate or, or just simply communicate about and not from a place of like, this just happened and I'm going to sound off on it. Right. Yeah. 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 So the, I was talking to uh, someone from like a social media expert. I was talking to someone and we were talking about, because when I post something on social media, especially the stories, because I always believe that Instagram feed is has to be clean. That's about your company and your stories is where you get dirty. And by dirty, I don't mean like sending. Yeah, no, you, you can play a little fast and loose with the stories. Yeah, but yeah. then when I when I post something on stories. I, you know, I just go about my day, right? I take photos of like a tree or, oh, I'm going to this restaurant. But I never post until the next day because I want it to be purposeful. Like, oh my gosh, that experience at the restaurant is the highlight of my day and that's the only thing I'm going to post. So I feel like people need to learn to step back because the pressure of posting something right now is just tremendous that it's not really healthy anymore mm-hmm. and i feel I like i feel like i should have one episode podcast episode about mental health because it's just so draining like especially for me because i'm yeah. not really a very public kind of guy if i had a choice i'd probably not post anything but like the pressure of you know trying yeah. to put something out there and yeah yeah i i agree with you i mean Posting while you're in the moment of something takes you out of the moment. You're no longer in the moment. You're you're now looking at it from a distance to going, how do people how are people gonna react? Oh, what should I say about this moment? It's like just be in the moment, man. Just post later. I also don't I tend not to post when I'm at networking events like the ones you and I have got, gone to for so many years together because um I don't want people to know where I am. <laughs> like there is a weird part of me that is like, if someone were to follow me around, they could if yeah. I was post if I were posting in real time. And I know that sounds very paranoid, but that's just how we are. That's, that's how I am today. That's, that's how actually, I actually saw and read an article. Oh, I think it was online, like a forum. And I started implementing it. Like when we go on vacation, I wait two days before I post something because we're yeah. on our way back and we just started our vacation online. So, you know, just so no yeah, one's going to know that. Yeah, because no one's going to know that, oh, their house is empty. No one's in the house, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just me being like paranoid. It's, but then again, these are all things we have to think about when we're talking about our businesses and our social media. It's like it's such a different world now than when we started. Yeah. So n- now my question for you is if I want to change the way m- my copy, like my language, yeah. how do yeah. I go about that? So business. first, I think you have to drill down like what your core values are as a business. Like mine are online. You can look at my core values on Moxie Bright on the website, on the About Me page. Um, but I think once you have those core values, even if you don't publish them, even if you just write them down for yourself, right, then make sure that all your language points to that. For me, I always want my language to be really um, outgo- like uplifting, outgoing. Uh, I, I don't like passive voice. So if you don't know what that means, not you, but if your listeners don't know what that means, it's like active voice is like, I am eating, I am eating a sandwich. Passive voice is I am going to eat a sandwich, right? I always want to be in the active voice. I want all my copy, all my Instagram captions. If, even if I'm talking about something that happened in the past, I still want my reaction to it, my comment on the image to be in active voice because um, it's important to me. Uh, it's just one of the, it's one of the things, one of my pet peeves. I, even when I listen to podcasts, um, when people say, 
uh, we're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just talk about it. We're, we're already here. We're just, we're in it. Just do it. Right. That's just my impatient New Yorker, I think coming out. But so that's something that's important to me. It's important to me to not use limiting language. It's important to me to communicate in a voice that, um, that allows people to easily feel comfortable of, with me being in charge. Cause again, that speaks to what I'm doing uh, for a living. If I were someone in a more creative primarily field that maybe if I were an interior designer or maybe if I were a photographer, maybe my language would be a little more creative, a little more flowery because I was would want to communicate that I have that sort of creative spirit. Um, I'm not so concerned with that for what I'm doing currently. I, I more just want to be seen as an authority um, because it helps my clients trust me. And then we, it automatically takes out so many problems in the long run because they're like, oh, Renee's got this, right? Because all of my language and my demeanor speaks to that. So those are what, that's what's important to me. I mean, it doesn't have to be important to other people, but that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this topic is that I, I find it so prevalent in our industry. I've been at so many networking events standing next to someone and someone says, what do you do? And they go, I'm just a wedding planner. And it makes me want to all my skin crawl right off. Right. I'm like, you're not just anything. You're a business person. You're a CEO. You're the president of your company. You're the founder. You're the creative force behind your company. We're so much more than the titles we give ourselves, you know, Um, because everyone wants to be modest and humble. And like, I get it. You don't want to be a jerk, but also you have to own your you have to own your shit. You have to own your own expertise because as a business owner, nobody's going to give that to you. Right. No outside force is going to come in and say, Paul, you know, you're the CEO now and you're going to go, oh, my God, am I? I made it. It's like, no, we make we're making it ourselves. Right. So it might sound arrogant sometimes and you don't have to say it all the time, but you have to believe it. You have to believe that you are the CEO, whatever, whatever, whatever inflated title you think is too much. You have to behave as though that's true. I, I love that because it's for us, we've we've been doing this for nine years, like our business has been existing for nine years and we've never saw ourselves we've never seen ourselves as the owners right so for the nine years we've been just slaving away like making sure that we have work for everyone and blah 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 but then just one moment we were talking to our friends and they're like you're the ceo you have to do ceo shit you can't just do secretary stuff just hire a secretary do yep owner stuff and you, you know the, the the way that you say that to yourself it makes you feel mm-hmm. more empowered like people who say that they're just wedding planners and they do, they go to conventions you're not just a wedding planner you're already at a convention that means you're serious this is a real real business so yeah people have to own up to yeah yeah i love yeah, that yeah i think you have to change your mindset and you have to learn. It's going to sound so woo woo. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I believe it. You have to vibrate at a higher frequency for stuff like that. Like you just have to let yourself be up here unapologetically. And because listen, at the end of the day, our businesses are our babies and we are solely in charge of them. So if something in your business isn't working, um, it's our responsibility to fix it. And sometimes it literally just is the mindset is off. Your mindset isn't, isn't working in your favor. Right. And, but again, this mindset is pervasive. It comes out in our language. So when I hear someone say, I'm just a wedding planner, I'm thinking, Oh, what's going on with them. Right. Do they not have a supportive spouse? Maybe, maybe this, maybe their spouse is saying, well, this little thing you're doing is just for now. You know, maybe they are not, 
natural leaders. Maybe they have to work on their leadership for their team. Maybe they just have to change their mindset around money, right? Like we haven't even, we didn't even get around the topic of language around money, but it's the same, it's the same deal. It's uh, learning to control the language that you have around all of these things. Because once you start acknowledging it and changing it, then it becomes second nature. And you don't have to say to yourself, oh, I said just again, right? Now, when I say just, I think, oh, oh, did I say it? As opposed to, I'm always saying it and I'm training myself out of it, you know? Yeah, I love yeah. that. So my last questions, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's plural because it's actually just one question. But okay. What so my it's basically what language should you use for rejection mm. when it comes to like when you feel like the couple's not really it doesn't really fit with your like for example I I saw last night I saw online someone ask so what do I tell the couple if I see a lot of red flags mm -hmm. like before they sign how do I talk to them and say. Eh. I, in the past, have said, well, first of all, I don't give anyone any sort of pricing or any information until I've spoken to them. And I firmly believe that that is the way everyone should be doing this because what we do is so personal that it's really hard. It would be hard for me to send out a price sheet and have someone be like, I choose you and be like, wait a minute, who are you? What is even your deal? I don't know if I want to work with you. So first we have the conversation. And if I see a lot of red flags, oftentimes I won't send them a proposal. What I'll send instead is an email that I think I have in my candy email. That's like letting them down easy. And I just say like, it's been really lovely to speak with you and get to know you based on, based on what you told me in our conversation. I don't think that I'm the right fit for you. And I don't necessarily give them reasons, right? Because it doesn't matter because they're not going to change or more accurately, nothing that they can say at that point will change my mind that I don't want to work with them. Right. So I had a client or not a client, but a potential client many years ago, describe herself as a bridezilla like six times during the consult. And she would say it and then like laugh, like, <laughs> like it was the funniest thing. I never laughed. I was just taking notes and she didn't have her fiance on the call. She never even told me his name. Like she never referenced him. Like my fiance, Joe, She just said my fiance as if that were his name. By the end, I said, I'm sorry, you never gave me his name. And she goes, I didn't. And I said, no, she goes, that's funny. <laughs> and then went into something else. And I was like, you never like it just was clearly not for me. Yeah. So I wrote her an email and I said, it was really lovely getting to know you based on our conversation. I don't think I'm the right fit for you. Here's who I'd recommend for you. And I always send at least two referrals to people that I really genuinely think could handle that, that situation, right? That I think they'd be a better fit for. And I don't necessarily feel the need to overly explain myself. Um, in that particular case, she did write back and ask why. And I said, one of the things I love as a wedding planner is working equally with both halves of the couple, no matter what that couple looks like. And because your fiance wasn't on the call and wasn't didn't seem very present in the proceedings. I just know that it's ultimately not going to be a good fit for me. And I never heard from her again. So I think when you're strong in your convictions and you know your core values and you know the people you want to work with, it's much easier to say no to the ones you don't. But I also don't think we need to like be writing diary entries about how much we don't want to work with them. You know, I think, I think that's when it pays to be super like almost masculine in your response. It's just like, it's a hard line. Right. Because the other thing you could say is like, I don't think we'd be a good fit because you said something about being a bridezilla. And then she'd be like, well, I was just kidding and blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's it. 
and then you're opening it up for like more drama. Yeah. It's a no. Okay. So it's the, hard though. It's, hard to do that. It's super hard. Yeah, I feel like the 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 person who uh posted that online, he was just afraid to piss him off or like break their heart. Yeah, so of course. He you don't want to be a bad to, person. Yeah. And also not all not all of us are in a position to say no to the money. But then again, once you have a bad client that you've taken for money, you always realize that's bad money. Yeah. You don't want that money anyway. I think it's 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 good that people have us, like people like us, to tell them that it's money now, but it's going to be a headache in a few months. I feel so, like everyone has to do it once, and then they go, oh, yeah, that was bad. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> so Okay. So the last one, the very last yes. one, because I said language for rejection, right? Yes. Uh, what language, how do you say, how do you deal with a really livid couple like when you did something wrong or you didn't do anything wrong and they're like super mad how do you talk to them and so i always try to figure out where they're coming from oftentimes it is not about us and the hardest thing as a business owner is to not take things personally a lot weddings are emotional right? A lot of times we are getting the brunt of something that happened with someone else. And I know as a wedding planner, especially so many times I'll get an email that's like, we're behind and da 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 and this, this and that. And I have to read it and go, okay, this person feels panicked because they think something's not happening that should. I always deal with the facts first. Like I, I take the emotion right out of it. In fact, sometimes I actually ignore the emotion, right? Especially if they're coming at me hot. I'm just like, okay, what are the facts here? The facts are, This person feels scared. This person thinks that A, B, and C was not done. That is incorrect. A, B, and C is done. Here's the proof of when it was done. What else can I help you with? You know, like I always try to move it forward. So like, especially because my clients or some, some of the brides or grooms or whomever tend to get a little worked up sometimes. I always tend to just go, okay, don't take it emotionally. Sometimes you got to close the email, walk around the house a little bit, walk around your office, burn it off, come back and be like, okay, what are they really saying? Right. Cause it's hard when someone's like, you didn't do something you, you know, if they're pointing fingers, like you, you're bad at your job. And they might not said that, but that's the tone, right? It's hard to divorce yourself from that and be like, okay, well, that's their opinion. <laughs> Let's deal with the facts. And listen, if you didn't do something that needed to get done or, there was a misstep of course apologize like absolutely apologize and oftentimes what i try to do is i make it right and then apologize like fix it before you even fix it just whatever it is fix it and then go back and say you know what you're right that did not get done but it is done now and here is the outcome because basically all those emails are all those communications are is them throwing up a throwing up a flare going oh my god something's really bad we have to fix it and so your job is to just fix it Just fix it. Fix it first. The other thing with communication, and you didn't answer this, but I'll just say it now. So many times our clients are frustrated with us because they don't know what we're doing. And oftentimes it's easily, it's easily fixed by just saying, I got this email. I'm working on it. I will let you know as soon as I have an answer. I love that. <laughs> it sounds like so simple and dumb, but sometimes that is literally just what they need. Okay. Because yeah. there, there are times when we uh, we have a client request, but then we're like so busy. Totally. And then Stella's like, oh, what do I tell them? And then I got this email. I'm working on it. I will get back to you soon with an answer. That's, that's beautiful. 
Because it just saves you a little bit of time. And then they're like, I'm acknowledged. That's generally all they want to be, really. So here's a quick tip to the listeners. Um, Whenever we get an email with like a – if if the client's like not satisfied or you know there's something wrong in or a very accus accusational accusatory <laughs> when they're accusing us of something we we didn't do yeah what stella does is she types the email down in google google docs or something she doesn't never type anything in the email itself because she might send it and it's just going to be more hard handy. to unsend yeah yeah even with that handy unsend button it's still like well they probably opened it by now yeah things so, are immediate yeah <laughs> so but yeah the, any any last words any quick tips for uh the listeners about their verbiage or i would say if you are listening to this and you're like oh my god i do all these things uh there is a great book called plain big by tara moore uh i think it's geared toward women but who cares uh, and it's not just about this topic. Language is just one of the chapters in the book, but it is a, a transformative book that will really help change your mindset around, are you playing small in your life and your business or are you playing big, right? Like we talked about, are you acting like, are you doing CEO level shit, right? Or are you the secretary? So I can't recommend enough Playing Big by Tara Moore. Playing Big. Mm-hmm. And get that Google plugin so you can get those bad e- words out of your emails. I'll I'll put all the links to the show notes for Perfect. sure. And it, talking about show notes, let's tell the listeners and the viewers how to reach you if they have any sure. questions and if you have so anything I'm, going on right now. Oh, I have so much going on. Uh, I always have. Everyone always has so much going on, right? So you can find me mostly on Instagram at Moxie Bright Events. M O X I E. The word bright. The word events. Um, if you're interested in my wedding planning, that's over at MoxieBrightEvents.com. If you're a wedding planner and you are interested in online education, that's at ReneeDallow.com. I also have a new podcast launching September 5th. I don't know when we're going live with this one, but uh, in a few weeks, we'll have a new podcast called Talk with Renee Dallow. And that has its own Instagram. Guess what it is? Talk with Renee Dallow. Um, But I'm I'm all over the place, y'all. If you're coming to Wedding MBA, you can hear me. I'm speaking twice this year in Vegas. And if you hang out with Paul, you can see me at networking events. (laughs) <laughs> yep and you'll see me at wedding nba too just hanging out by the bar hey, nice i will be at the bar in between my talks <laughs> i feel like now that i know that you're musical theater i feel like w- when i see you we need to have like a song together because oh, i love i'm not formally trained but i just love theater and musical we can go to karaoke so. anytime my friend oh yes i would in love Vegas, that. maybe oh my god i didn't know there was oh nice There's gotta be one right I'm pretty sure there will be. They have everything there. <laughs> so, Renee, you've been an inspiration to me and my wife by just seeing you and your presence is more than enough to remind us that, you know, uh, being ourselves is the right thing to do. And I admire your passion. I admire your drive. And we need more people like you in the industry because now it's being filled with like fakers and takers. So, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, I love that. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was amazing. Thanks for having me. Uh, All the best to you. Thank you. Same to you. Don't you think that was a great episode? I hope you got a little bit more clarity about the topic. And if not, feel free to reach out and ask questions by emailing me at weddingvideoboss at gmail.com.
You could also join the Facebook group so we can discuss this episode. Show your support by helping me reach more people by sharing this podcast or tell a friend about it. I'd also love it if you rate and review. I love reading reviews. A few weeks from now, we'll be releasing a handful of surprises. So if you're interested in learning more or if you want to find out as soon as it comes out, feel free to join our mailing list. I'll try to add all of the links in the show notes. I hope this just jump-started your day and may you have an excellent week ahead. I'll see you on the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good-looking. Boss man out. while you're in the moment of something takes you out of the moment you're no longer in the moment you're you're now looking at it from a distance to going how do people how are people going to react oh what should i say about this moment it's like just be in the moment man just post later i also don't i tend not to post when i'm at networking events like the ones you and i have gone to for so many years together because um i don't want people to know where i am (laughs) like there is a weird part of me that is like if someone were to follow me around they could if i was post if i were posting in real time and I know that sounds very paranoid, but that's just how we are. That's, that's how I am today. That's, that's how I'm actually, I actually saw and read an article. Oh, I think it was online, like a forum. And I started implementing it. Like when we go on vacation, I wait two days before I post something because we're yeah. on our way back and we just started our vacation online. So, you know, just so no yeah, one's going to know that. Yeah, because no one's going to know that, oh, their house is empty. No one's in the house, you know, stuff like that. But then again, these are all things we have to think about when we're talking about our businesses and our social media. It's like it's such a different world now than when we started. Yeah. So now my question for you is if I want to change the way my copy, like my language, how do I go about that? So first, I think you have to drill down like what your core values are as a business. Like mine are online. You can look at my core values on Moxie Bright on the website, on the About Me page. Um, But I think once you have those core values, even if you don't publish them, even if you just write them down for yourself, right, then make sure that all your language points to that. For me, I always want my language to be really um, like uplifting, outgoing. Uh, I, I don't like passive voice. So if you don't know what that means, not you, but if your listeners don't know what that means, it's like active voice is like, I am eating, I am eating a sandwich. Passive voice is I am going to eat a sandwich, right? I always want to be in the active voice. I want all my copy, all my Instagram captions. If Even if I'm talking about something that happened in the past, I still want my reaction to it, my comment on the image to be in active voice because um, it's important to me. Uh, it's just one of the, it's one of the things, one of my pet peeves. I, even when I listen to podcasts, um, when people say, uh, we're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just talk about it. We're, we're already here. We're just, we're in it. Just do it. Right. That's just my impatient New Yorker, I think coming out. But so that's something that's important to me. It's important to me to not use limiting language. It's important to me to communicate in a voice that, um, that allows people to easily feel comfortable of, with me being in charge. Cause again, that speaks to what I'm doing uh, for a living. If I were someone in a more creative primarily field that maybe if I were an interior designer 
or maybe if I were a photographer, maybe my language would be a little more creative, a little more flowery because I was would want to communicate that I have that sort of creative spirit. Um, I'm not so concerned with that for what I'm doing currently. I, I more just want to be seen as an authority um, because it helps my clients trust me. And then we, it automatically takes out so many problems in the long run because they're like, oh, Renee's got this, right? Because all of my language and my demeanor speaks to that. So those are what, that's what's important to me. I mean, it doesn't have to be important to other people, but that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this topic is that I, I find it so prevalent in our industry. I've been at so many networking events, standing next to someone and someone says, what do you do? And they go, I'm just a wedding planner. And it makes me want to all my skin crawl right off. Right. I'm like, you're not just anything. You're a business person. You're a CEO. You're the president of your company. You're the founder. You're the creative force behind your company. We're so much more than the titles we give ourselves, you know, Um, because everyone wants to be modest and humble. And like, I get it. You don't want to be a jerk, but also you have to own your you have to own your shit. You have to own your own expertise because as a business owner, nobody's going to give that to you. Right. No outside force is going to come in and say, Paul, you know, you're the CEO now. And you're going to go, oh, my God, am I? I made it. It's like, no, we make we're making it ourselves. Right. So it might sound arrogant sometimes and you don't have to say it all the time, but you have to believe it. You have to believe that you are the CEO, whatever, whatever, whatever inflated title you think is too much. You have to behave as though that's true. I, I love that because it's for us, we've we've been doing this for nine years. Like our business has been existing for nine years and we've never saw ourselves we've never seen ourselves as the owners right so for the nine years we've been just slaving away like making sure that we have work for everyone and blah 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 but then just one moment we were talking to our friends and they're like you're the ceo you have to do ceo shit you can't just do secretary stuff just hire a secretary do yep owner stuff and you you know the 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 way that you say that to yourself it makes you feel Mm -hmm. more empowered like people who say that they're just wedding planners and they they go to conventions you're not just a wedding planner you're already at a convention that means you're serious this is a real real business so yeah people have to own up to yeah yeah i love that yeah i think you have to change your mindset and you have to learn. It's going to sound so woo-woo and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I believe it. You have to vibrate at a higher frequency for stuff like that. Like you just have to let yourself be up here unapologetically. And because listen, at the end of the day, our businesses are our babies and we are solely in charge of them. So if something in your business isn't working, um, it's our responsibility to fix it. And sometimes it literally just is the mindset is off. Your mindset isn't, isn't working in your favor, right? And But again, this mindset is pervasive. It comes out in our language. So when I hear someone say, I'm just a wedding planner, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on with them, right? Do they not have a supportive spouse? Maybe, maybe, this, maybe their spouse is saying, well, this little thing you're doing is just for now. You know, maybe they are not natural leaders. Maybe they have to work on their leadership for their team. Maybe they just have to change their mindset around money, right? Like, we haven't even we didn't even get around the topic of language around money, but it's the same. It's the same deal. It's uh, learning to control the language that you have around all of these things, because once you start acknowledging it and changing it, then it becomes second nature. And you don't have to say to yourself, oh, I said just again. Right now, when I say just I think, oh, oh, did I say it as opposed to 
I'm always saying it and I'm training myself out of it, you know? Yeah. I love yeah. that. So my last questions, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's plural because it's actually just one question, but okay. what, so my, it's basically what language should you use for rejection mm. when it comes to like, when you feel like the couple's not really, it doesn't really fit with your, like, for example, I, I saw last night, I saw online, someone asked, so what do I tell the couple if I see a lot of red flags? Mm-hmm. Like before they sign, how do I talk to them and say, eh. I in the past have said, well, first of all, I don't give anyone any sort of pricing or any information until I've spoken to them. And I firmly believe that that is the way everyone should be doing this because what we do is so personal that it's really hard. It'd be hard for me to send out a price sheet and have someone be like, I choose you and be like, wait a minute, who are you? What is even your deal? I don't know if I want to work with you. So first we have the conversation. And if I see a lot of red flags, oftentimes I won't send them a proposal. What I'll send instead is an email that I think I have in my canned email that's like letting them down easy. And I just say like, it's been really lovely to speak with you and get to know you based on based on what you told me in our conversation. I don't think that I'm the right fit for you. And I don't necessarily give them reasons, right? Because it doesn't matter because they're not going to change or more accurately, nothing that they can say at that point will change my mind that I don't want to work with them. Right. So I had a client or not a client, but a potential client many years ago, describe herself as a bridezilla like six times during the consult. And she would say it and then like laugh, like, (laughs) like it was the funniest thing. I never laughed. I was just taking notes and she didn't have her fiance on the call. She never even told me his name. Like she never referenced him. Like my fiance, Joe, She just said my fiance as if that were his name. By the end, I said, I'm sorry, you never gave me his name. And she goes, I didn't. And I said, no, she goes, that's funny. (laughs) And then went into something else. And I was like, you never like it just was clearly not for me. Yeah. So I wrote her an email and I said, Mm -hmm. it was really lovely getting to know you based on our conversation. I don't think I'm the right fit for you. Here's who I'd recommend for you. And I always send at least two referrals to people that I really genuinely think could handle that that situation, right? That I think they'd be a better fit for. And I don't necessarily feel the need to overly explain myself. Um, in that particular case, she did write back and ask why. And I said, one of the things I love as a wedding planner is working equally with both halves of the couple, no matter what that couple looks like. And because your fiance wasn't on the call and wasn't didn't seem very present in the proceedings. I just know that it's ultimately not going to be a good fit for me. And I never heard from her again. So I think when you're strong in your convictions and you know your core values and you know the people you want to work with, it's much easier to say no to the ones you don't. But I also don't think we need to like be writing diary entries about how much we don't want to work with them. You know, I think, I think that's when it pays to be super like almost masculine in your response. It's just like, it's a hard line. Right. Because the other thing you could say is like, I don't think we'd be a good fit because you said something about being a bridezilla. And then she'd be like, well, I was just kidding and blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's it. And then you're opening it up for like more drama. Yeah. It's a no. Okay. So it's the, hard, though. It's, hard to do that. It's super hard. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the person who uh, posted that online, he was just afraid to piss him off or like break their heart. Yeah, so of course, you don't want to be a bad to, person. Yeah. And also, not all, not all of us are in a position to say no to the money. But then again, once you have a bad client that you've taken for money, you always realize that's bad money. 
yeah. you don't want that money anyway. I think it's 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 good that people have us, like people like us, to tell them that it's money now, but it's going to be a headache in a few months. I feel so, like everyone has to do it once, and then they go, oh, yeah, that was bad. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay. So the last one, the very last yes. one, because I said language for rejection, right? Yes. Uh, what language, how do you say... How do you deal with a really livid couple? Like when you did something wrong or you didn't do anything wrong and they're like super mad. How do you talk to them? And So I always try to figure out where they're coming from. Oftentimes it is not about us. And the hardest thing as a business owner is to not take things personally. A lot Weddings are emotional. Right. A lot of times we are getting the brunt of something that happened with someone else. And I know as a wedding planner, especially so many times I'll get an email that's like, we're behind and da 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 and this, this and that. And I have to read it and go, okay, this person feels panicked because they think something's not happening that should. I always deal with the facts first. Like I, I take the emotion right out of it. In fact, sometimes I actually ignore the emotion, right? Especially if they're coming at me hot. I'm just like, okay, what are the facts here? The facts are, This person feels scared. This person thinks that A, B, and C was not done. That is incorrect. A, B, and C is done. Here's the proof of when it was done. What else can I help you with? You know, like I always try to move it forward. So like, especially because my clients or some, some of the brides or grooms or whomever tend to get a little worked up sometimes. I always tend to just go, okay, don't take it emotionally. Sometimes you got to close the email, walk around the house a little bit, walk around your office, burn it off, come back and be like, okay, what are they really saying? Right. Cause it's hard when someone's like, you didn't do something you, you know, if they're pointing fingers, like you, you're bad at your job. And they might not said that, but that's the tone, right? It's hard to divorce yourself from that and be like, okay, well, that's their opinion. <laughs> Let's deal with the facts. And listen, if you didn't do something that needed to get done or, there was a misstep, of course, apologize, like absolutely apologize. And oftentimes what I try to do is I make it right and then apologize, like fix it before you even fix it, just whatever it is, fix it. And then go back and say, you know what? You're right. That did not get done, but it is done now. And here's the outcome. Because basically all those emails are, all those communications are, is them throwing up a, throwing up a flare going, oh my God, something's really bad. We have to fix it. And so your job is to just fix it. Just fix it. Fix it first. The other thing with communication, and you didn't answer this, but I'll just say it now. So many times our clients are frustrated with us because they don't know what we're doing. And oftentimes it's easily, it's easily fixed by just saying, I got this email. I'm working on it. I will let you know as soon as I have an answer. I love that. <laughs> it sounds like so simple and dumb, but sometimes that is literally just what they need. Okay. Because yeah. there, there are times when we uh, we have a client request, but then we're like so busy. Totally. And then Stella's like, oh, what do I tell them? And then I got this email. I'm working on it. I will get back to you soon with an answer. That's, that's beautiful. Because it just saves you a little bit of time. And then they're like, I'm acknowledged. That's generally all they want to be. Really. Yeah. So here's a quick tip to the listeners. Um, whenever we get a... a an email with like a if if the client's like not satisfied or you know there's something wrong in or a very accus accusational accusatory <laughs> when they're accusing us of something we we didn't do yeah what stella does is she 
types the email down in Google, Google Docs or something. She doesn't never type anything in the email itself because you might send it and it's just going to be more hard headache. to unsend. Yeah. yeah. Even with that handy unsend button, it's still like, well, they probably opened it by now. Yeah. Things so, are immediate. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, any, any last words, any quick tips for uh, the listeners about their verbiage or... I would say if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, my God, I do all these things. Uh, there is a great book called Plain Big by Tara Moore. Uh, I think it's geared toward women, but who cares? Uh, and it's not just about this topic. Language is just one of the chapters in the book, but it is a, a transformative book that will really help change your mindset around. Are you playing small in your life, and your business, or are you playing big, right? Like we talked about, are you acting like, are you doing CEO level shit, right? Or are you the secretary? So I can't recommend enough Playing Big by Tara Moore. Playing Big. Mm -hmm. And get that Google plugin so you can get those bad e words out of your emails. I'll, I'll put all the links to the show notes for Perfect. sure. And it, talking about show notes, let's tell the listeners and the viewers how to reach you if they have any sure. questions and if you have so anything I'm going on right now. Oh, I have so much going on. Uh, I always have. Everyone always has so much going on, right? So you can find me mostly on Instagram at Moxie Bright Events, M-O-X-I-E, the word bright, the word events. Um, if you're interested in my wedding planning, that's over at MoxieBrightEvents.com. If you're a wedding planner and you are interested in online education, that's at ReneeDallow.com. Uh, I also have a new podcast launching September 5th. I don't know when we're going live with this one, but uh, in a few weeks, we'll have a new podcast called Talk with Renee Dallow. And that has its own Instagram. Guess what it is? Talk with Renee Dallow. Um, but I'm, I'm all over the place, y'all. If you're coming to Wedding MBA, you can hear me. I'm speaking twice this year in Vegas. And if you hang out with Paul, you can see me at networking events. <laughs> yep. And you'll see me at Wedding MBA too, just hanging out by the bar. Yay. <laughs> nice i will be at the bar in between my talks i feel like now that i know that you're musical theater i feel like w when i see you we need to have like a song together because oh, i love i'm not formally trained but i just love theater and musical we can go to karaoke so. anytime my friend oh yes i would in love Vegas, that. maybe oh my god i didn't know there was oh nice There's gotta be one right i'm pretty sure there will be they have everything there <laughs> so Renee, you've been an inspiration to me and my wife by just seeing you and your presence is more than enough to remind us that, you know, uh, being ourselves is the right thing to do. And I admire your passion. I admire your drive. And we need more people like you in the industry because now it's being filled with like fakers and takers. So <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, I love that. Yeah. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was amazing. Thanks for having me. Uh, all the best to you. Thank you. Same to you. Don't you think that was a great episode? I hope you got a little bit more clarity about the topic. And if not, feel free to reach out and ask questions by emailing me at weddingvideoboss at gmail.com. You can also join the Facebook group so we can discuss this episode. Show your support by helping me reach more people by sharing this podcast or tell a friend about it. I'd also love it if you rate and review. I love reading reviews. A few weeks from now, we'll be releasing a handful of surprises. So if you're interested in learning more, or if you want to find out as soon as it comes out, feel free to join our mailing list. I'll try to add all of the links in the show notes. I hope this just jump-started your day and may you have an excellent week ahead. 
I'll see you on the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss Man out. Boss Man out.